real, real conversation, conversation and some hard truths. Hard truths. Gangs, Gangs, drugs, drugs and, guns, and guns, giving a voice to those willing to sacrifice. We have stories that need to be told. We have lessons that need to be taught. Protect and serve. Welcome to The Quiet Professional. Right, welcome back everyone. Nathan Romas with you again. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about finances. Uh, so as we come up to the holidays, hopefully everybody hasn't given away their money. Um, also with the new year approaching, maybe now's the time to kind of get some things in order. So we'll talk a little bit about working on finances and money management and yourself. And to help with this, I have the co-founder of Enriched Academy, Kevin Cochran, on the show. For over the uh, past 15 years, Kevin has been speaking to people about money management for families, teens, and young adults. And he's been featured on radio and television, including CBC's Dragon's Den. Kevin has talked with over 100,000 people, from professionals to students, schools, and corporations about topics such as financial literacy and personal wealth. And he's spoken to the Canadian Police Association, Ontario Police Association, CFL Grey Cup Alumni Conference, and the Canadian Pension and Benefits Institute. Uh, and I know he's kind of been around the Edmonton Police as well. Um, and his current business, Enriched Academy, seeks to help people avoid learning financial lessons the hard way. So welcome, Kevin. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Nice meeting you. Great to have you on. And uh, I don't think there's a more timely topic, especially with inflation going up. Uh, people are spending around the holidays. And uh, just as we were saying before uh, we fired this up, uh, there's quite a few people who probably own a few homes around and are got all the rental properties going. So um, well, we're going to get into how do you kind of manage some of this stuff. But uh, before we do that, let's talk a little bit about you. So you kind of tell us uh, about yourself and where you come from and how you got into all this. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's, uh, yeah, I'm 45 years old. I live uh, in a town just northeast of Toronto called Uxbridge, Ontario. It's a smaller town. Always joke around, not much to do here because our pub crawl started at Swish LA. Right? There's really <laughs> nothing to do in Uxbridge. But I did grow up in Toronto as a high school student. Wasn't necessarily the brightest student. Uh, my marks weren't good enough to you know, even justify or being able to get accepted into a post-secondary school. So I went right into the workforce uh, at a high school and, uh, you know, worked full-time, odd-end jobs, like manager of Burger King, mechanic, little things like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, after two years of finishing high school, I was over $20,000 in credit card debt, bought my first car on a credit card. So, around my credit got so bad that someone stole my identity and my credit rating got better, right? Like, how bad my credit rating was. And, and you know, the challenges is that, you know, I, I was living at home for free with my mom and I still ended up spending all the money I earned plus 20000 more on a credit card, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my story. And they have a lot of students that do go to post-secondary school. When they graduate, they owe $30,000 of the student loan debt and they can't get a job right away. So what do they do? They go back to the bank, mom and dad, go, mom, dad, I can't, I can't get a job. I got to start paying the student loan off. What am I going to do? And guess what most parents say? Come live at home with me for a while. And you start realizing uh, there's a study done by Royal Bank of Canada back in 2019. This is pre-COVID. They found out that nearly 50% of parents, half of parents, still financially subsidize their kids well into their 30s. Wow. Right, so you can see this. Yeah, it's not they're paying for the cell phones, groceries, whatever it may be, right? And you can see their loans, and you can see there's this massive, catastrophic failure in educating students about money, right? Our parents don't teach us about money. Poverty gets passed on, but our parents don't teach us, right? 
schools didn't see this traditionally, but you have governments being very proactive, such as yours, provincially, either attacking financial literacy with vengeance, which I commend them uh, for doing that because they've done an amazing job. Uh, but a lot of other provinces across the country haven't done that yet. Mm. Uh, and and honestly, uh, you know, the banking system, a lot of bank systems don't necessarily you know want us to understand how the money works, right? And so it's a full, it's a perfect storm of a disaster uh, when it comes to this. And, and that's why we wanted to tackle financial literacy. So when you're saying that you, uh, you accumulated all this debt, what were you kind of thinking around that time? Like, so you're saying things were kind of hard. You, you're working from job to job, but um, is it just nobody ever talked to you at all about finances and, and you just kind of, the bank's just handing you money, not really, nobody's telling you anything? Yeah, no, you don't really understand the math behind it, right? And so you just, it, it's, you know, you're walking through a mall and and there's a credit card, you know, booth there and they're giving out free t-shirts and they got a wheel of prizes and you get a you get a credit card and then next thing you know, you get a credit card with a thousand dollar, you know, limit. But that seems like free money to you and you, know, you go and party with that and then you got to realize you got to pay the piper when it comes to that. And, and if you, if you look at it, I got a credit card statement here. Uh, you know, it's one of my older ones, but it's like 17. Yeah. Well, even well, let me use this one right here. The $12,000 credit card balance, right? The business card right here. Wow. How long do you think it would take to pay off to make this on a, with this Royal bank credit card? And it's not, doesn't matter what bank it is. Math is math, right? 19% interest. I can ask you, how long do you think it would take to pay off this $12,000 credit card at Royal bank making payments at 19%? What would you guess? In 10 years. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to read to you. It says on the back page of your credit card statement, it would take you 104 years and 10 months to pay it off. Oh, wow. Right? Actually 104 you. years. It actually says it right there. Yeah, I know we're on Zoom, so you can oh, yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's right there. And you look at it and go, this is where, and so you ask me how I felt. I felt anxiety. I felt, you know, and the number one stress Canadians have right now is money, according to a recent federal study. And the reason why I think a lot of the things, they, Canadians worry more about money than they do their own personal health. And, and that leads, and that, that anxiety and stress leads to heart disease, sleepless nights, depression, anxiety, alcohol, it actually amplifies other issues. And, uh, and I think that's how I felt at the time. I felt all these, uh, you know, stress because I'm like, I don't know how to get out of it. Cause you, you're, you know, you make the minimum payment, you're doing everything they ask you to do. And I remember we had a doctor come to one of our events. Think about this. We think, you know, the older we get, smarter we are, we know more about money. I'm telling you right now, that is. Not, it, it, money is like a language and unless somebody sits you down and teaches you it, you're never going to pick it up. I don't care how smart you are and how many years you go to school. And we had a doctor come to one of our live events, had $10,000 with a credit card debt, stressing out, saying, Kev, I've been making income payments for years. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I can't seem to get ahead. And I, I told him, it's going to take over 100 years to pay it off. And he didn't know. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, and so that's what I mean. I, I, if, we, if somebody doesn't sit us down and teach us how to use this language, we're going to get, we're going to get eaten up. Well, and thinking back to when I used to work at uh, TD Bank years and years ago, and uh, I remember people would come in and just like simple overdraft protection on an account. They actually saw that as money, like their money. I was like, no, this is the bank thinks like you're you're trustworthy enough based on credit, your, your history with the bank and money you have in accounts that they're willing to give you this. But they actually thought that was the bank saying like, oh, here's a free $1,000 or whatever your, your overdraft might be. And uh, same with credit cards. People spend it like it's uh, owed to them. It's like, no, no, that's debt. <laughs> You're going to owe somebody. Yeah. 
Well, I 100% agree with you. I want to be so, clear about this. I'm very pro credit card. I, I, I buy everything on credit cards, just as long as you pay it off on time and in full every month, and there's nothing wrong with them, right? It, I watched this whole video recently about it, talking about, like, if I had a choice to pay something via my debit or credit, I'll always do my credit card because, you know, if you go buy something on a credit, on your debit, that cash is gone, right? And if mm-hmm. there's, let's say if you buy something online and it's not what you thought it was or don't ever get it delivered or something happens, it's very tough to recoup that money. But credit cards, you know, they, they it's a much, much better process. They cancel the payment. They cancel the merchant, uh, you know, their their ability to charge on visas. So, so visas a much, much better option. As long as you pay it off in full and on time every month. That's all. Yeah. Well, so you accumulated all this debt and you said you had no real formal education and yeah. you're working job to job. So how do you kind of work through getting out of that debt? Yeah, well, you just worked your butt off. I was fortunate enough to meet a mentor that really kind of changed my life, put me in the right direction. And, and uh, you know, and, and, and that was a really big change in my life. I literally found him by picking up the phone book. I was thought I was going to become a real estate agent because I didn't have any post-secondary education and, and you know, get a real estate license in a few months at the time. And so I started calling real estate agents offering to work for free for any of them. And I called over 60 of them. And, and the only guy that called me back was this guy by the name of Richard Robbins, and he was one of the top Remax agents in North America. And he kind of brought me under his wing for this big company, and and I ended up doing fairly well with that, which is great. Uh, and uh, but again, it, w- here's the interesting part about it is that after I paid off that debt, I worked my butt off, paid off that debt, and then I saved one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And interesting enough, then I asked a, a mentor of mine. Uh, I said, you know, I got to get this money invested. I got to find a good financial advisor. And they gave me theirs. And again, not knowing that my mentor, though he did well, uh, he didn't understand uh, money as well as I thought he did. And he and gave that fifty thousand to an advisor. They had it for six years, and when I cashed out, I ended up with one hundred and forty-two thousand. Mm. But I didn't understand how mutual fund fees work, right? And deferred sales charges, low loads, and front end loaded. So, so you know, that's the problem. Like this is what I mean. Like people think financial literacy and people who go to our program or people that are broke or, or, or in debt or which is not the case. Not people come to our program. And I remember we had one lady come to our program. She had over a million dollars with her financial advisor. And I asked her how much she paid and she, she didn't know. Yeah. And so financial literacy, we don't understand our mutual fund fees here in Canada. And you got to realize like our mutual fund fees gobble up to nearly 40% if you don't, if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's a, a blanket. I don't want to make that a blanket statement, but I meet many, many people. Uh, that they don't understand. Remember, if you have a mutual fund, uh, there's four people that want to get paid. You want to get paid, the person that sold you the mutual fund wants to get paid, they work for brokerage that wants to get paid, and the mutual fund wants to get paid. That's four hands in your pocket. And and uh, I'll tell you, we, I remember there was one police officer we worked with. His staff sergeant had retired. He inherited $200,000. Uh, somebody had passed away in the family, and he was 35 years old. And after watching our program, he goes, am I looking at my, my fees on my mutual funds? He goes, I want to make sure I'm okay. So sure, no problem. He goes because he trusted the 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 staff sergeant because he's an old friend of his. So he's not malicious. Mm-hmm. And after going through, it, I said, "Oh yeah, you know your MERs are pretty high. They're sitting at three percent." He goes, "Well, that's not bad. If I'm getting three percent, he's getting three percent, then I'm getting ninety-seven percent." I said, "That's not the way the math works." And I said, "What's three percent of two hundred thousand dollars?" And I said, "That's six thousand bucks a year in fees. You're paying five hundred bucks a month." And I said, based on your trajectory, by the time you're 65 at a 3% MER, that 200,000 would go to 1.1 million. He goes, yeah, that's not bad. I said, yeah. I said, but you know what? Go through our program, our financial advisor interrogation kit. 
that's the one thing I think why Edmonton Police and so many groups love us. We don't refer financial advisors. We don't manage money. We don't have a horse in the race. We don't have a uh, race. We don't have a horse in this race, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, after going through our program, he knew how to find the right advisor, and he got his MERs down to one point two. And so, over the same trajectory, that two hundred thousand over thirty years, instead of a one point one million dollars, one point nine. So, we put eight hundred ninety-seven thousand dollars back in his pocket over thirty years. And I sat there and I said, "How much overtime would you have to work to make that?" Yeah, and he said, "Well, like you, you gave me a decade of my life back." And I said, "And then, and that's what Enrich Academy does. That's why we've had so much success working with police officers, and you know, whether it's athletes, police officers, car fire, it doesn't really matter what we don't learn about money, no matter what path we take. And that's why, you know, you do have groups like the Edmonton Police taking massive strides to clean up the mess uh, when it comes to what we did learn in prior in our life." Well, and uh, I've seen even people who come into the bank back when I was there and it doesn't really matter what background you come from. We had people in there, like you're saying, doctors, they'll come in with just uh, boatloads of debt and they don't know how to spend money. Uh, and then you have people who have just the day-to-day job working fast food joint and they're in the same, same boat. So, well, can I tell you something? This is what I love about money the most. You want to know the most exciting thing about it is that, I mean, we've been on events where we had thousands, like in 2019, pre COVID, we had over so for a lot of events and wow. you know, we had plumbers, large doctors, Lord, you name it. And what I found amazing is that we would have a, a, a electrician making 75 to $80,000 a year sitting in the room. And the same room we have a lawyer making 250 and more times than not that plumber electrician had the making 80,000 a year had a higher net worth than a lawyer making 250. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't look wealthier, right? They drive a beatable car, but it's paid off, right? Yeah. Uh, they live in a smaller home, but on three of them, because three, two of them are investment properties. And what we tend to do is we judge people based on their possessions. And I call it stealth wealth. And the wealthiest Canadians I met do not look like the wealthiest Canadians. Yep. I can assure you that. But, you know, but that's the way we're brought up. And I think people are hardwired thinking, you know, you see somebody driving in a nice car, but you don't know if it's leased. Right? And I'm not saying leases are bad necessarily. But, you know, as I said, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Right? And that's where I think a lot of people fail right out or have this misunderstanding of money is because we think it's based on possessions. So kind of tell me, how did you uh, get this idea for Enrich Academy and how did this develop? Well, it's the weirdest story in the world, actually. I, I Back to that Richard Robbins conversation where I wanted to become a real estate agent, we ended up growing a sales training company and I was a speaker. I thought, hey, I'm going to go out and become a speaker. And so I thought, why not go to school to teach about money, talk about my experience in my early 20s, with no intention of growing a company. And I had a friend and now my business partner, Jay Seabrook, was on the same page and he worked at the company. And we started speaking to high schools, and, the, and it was a disaster to start off with. I mean, people falling asleep during the presentation. But money is such a dry subject, right? And stuff to hit a nerve, and, and it's just it's just boring. Even though even talking, even the word financial literacy is boring, right? <laughs> and so uh, it just is. And so, well, Jay and I were were fairly persistent, and uh, and just more or less just aggressive, and just want to learn. So over a decade, we did over 250 events at high schools. We got to a point where parents were calling us up at night because we started dialing in the presentation. I remember we had one dad call me up one time saying, I don't know what you did, but you're the guy that spoke at my daughter's school today. She's going to university next year. But next year when she goes to university, she's saving to buy a car. But instead of that, now she wants to buy an investment property instead. Set a co-sign for the mortgage. Like We created dialogue in 45 minutes. With students that didn't have that before. And I think that's kind of the secret sauce to Enrich Academy is that we probably think we put more people than anybody else right yeah. and and that's why we're really good you know if you want to be really good you got to be really bad 
Mm. And, and I think that's really what makes Rich Academy so special. And that's why I think it really resonates with our audience. Because we kind of, we poke fun at the audience, make fun of them, we make fun of us, right? And one of my favorite comments we get back from our audience say, like, you guys don't even seem that bright, and we're not. Like, I'm not, we're not trying to hide. You know, we're not trying to say we're here and you're down there. We're just saying, hey, let's take this complicated language that traditionally is hidden from us, but simplify it in a way that anybody can understand, and let's get away, take away all these perceptions that the more money you make, the more money you have. You know how many police officers I've worked with that say, you know, the more hours I work, the less money I have. Mm-hmm. More and more overtime I work, I work more and more overtime, the less money I have. Because it's not a money-making issue that's the problem. It's, it's a spending issue. There's something wrong. And this is the analogy I always give. Uh, you know, imagine you go to the gym, right? That's how I go to the gym. I imagine it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, you don't have to wake up in the morning. But uh, here's what I think is that um, imagine you go to the gym. And I actually lift 90 pounds and you can't lift 90 pounds, right? You can't lift 90 pounds because you lift 110 pounds mm-hmm. and you know, you can't, right? You're like, of course I can't lift heavier weight. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to, uh, money. If you can't manage 90,000, right? If you work $20,000 for the overtime to 110, you can't lift hundred, you can't manage 110, mm-hmm. right? You can't, I know you can't like it just, I, 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 you sure if you can't manage 90 pounds, you can't lift 90 pounds can't lift 110 pounds. You definitively know that. Yeah. Right. So for some reason we have this perception, if you can't manage 90,000, you can manage 110. You can't, you'll, 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 you have two more ATVs on your or snowmobiles in your property. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and I, I guarantee or a nicer car. Right. And uh, you know, like that's what happens. That those are the mistakes that we make. So if you think we're working overtime, is going to get you, I'm not saying don't work overtime. Let's be clear about that. But if you, most of the time it's like real estate agents. They'll sell five more homes next year. Right. You know what I mean? That'll get me out of my debt. Like, you know, they just end up, you know, anybody who worked as hard as I have last year deserves a little bit more. Yeah. Right. So, well, and prioritizing what you buy. Right. So, do you really need this thing as opposed to maybe paying off some debt or putting it in an investment that's making more than what you're spending in the market on interest, say? Yeah. No, I listen. I think traditionally people over car and over house. I think that's like, you know, I, I've, I've met a lot of Canadians and I, and I, you know, if they're, in debt or if they are not owning an investment property it's rarely because they buy a $5 cup of coffee every day. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not what buries me is that, you know, I can, I joke around when I walk into a room full of police officers, I go, okay, I just saw a brand new Camaro or a brand new pickup truck. Who's the rookie that got the first paycheck. Right. Yeah, and yeah. and that, you know what I mean, so they all start laughing, but, but it's true. And then I try to explain to the audience, like, cause I read this in a book one, one time is that you're actually allowed to keep a car more than four years. I don't know if people know that or not, but we think <laughs> yeah. we legally have to change our car every three to five years. And I've met a lot of wealthy first responders, whether they're you know firefighters, police officers, and and I'm telling you, you know what I've realized? Wealthy police officers and firefighters love to show off their shitty cars. Mm-hmm. Right? They're like, I remember I was in Atlantic Canada, and one of the uh, a police officer there during breaking out, he came up, he kept, I'm worth millions. Look at my car, and he showed me his phone. This is a piece of shit. You know, Lincoln, <laughs> it's a 2001. And, and that's what I, I always laugh at that, right? And it never fails during any break with first responders. There's always a couple wealthy ones in there and they always have a shitty car and they love bragging. About it. So uh, where have you kind of been with the Academy? Is it, it, do you mostly speak to Canadians or have you gone all over the world? No, uh, we really found a niche here in Canada. Like it was always tempting to go to other countries, like Australia or United States, but can, we are Canadian. There's so much work to do here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Like there really is, right? We're just starting. You know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to build a couple businesses and 
with very good business partners, and, and so it's not just me to be clear. Uh, and uh, and you know, which which has been amazing. Uh, and this this business was a little different because there was no template to follow when it comes to you know, listen, I, there's something like this on the market, and we'll just kind of tweak it up and, and make it our own. When it comes to financial literacy, whether you're approaching a school board of government, you know, this is very new. Uh, everybody talks about it, but there really is no company out there that does what we do in Canada. Uh, and there, there are some that are sponsored by banks, which I'm not a really big believer in. Mm-hmm. I'm not against banks. I want to be clear about that. I can say it over and over again. But, you know, I know that there are some financial literacy companies out there that are backed by you know, big financial institutions that charge massive fees on their mutual funds. And, you know, you're kind of letting the fox in the hen house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pay, right. Yeah. And we, we have no sponsors, not one, zero, right. This is completely self-funded. And so we've taken the last six, seven years, really trying to understand this business model, throwing millions and millions and millions of dollars into this thing. Believe you me, uh, but it needs to be with our videos and the way our curriculum built out and the quality of people to execute on this. Uh, so again, that's why I think we're Canada's where we're here to stay for, for at least the next three to five years. Before we're looking at well, and you brought it up a few times, uh, talking in schools. I would think that's probably one of the most important places to start, but what, what kind of capacity are you talking to students in and, and at what grades? Cause I'm also wondering, uh, you know, what's an appropriate age to start talking to kids about finances? Like you can explain money and things at a very early age. But when you actually start talking about how to handle money, uh, how to save, how to spend, like where do you where do you start that? Yeah, so traditionally we are so just so you know, the one thing going out and speaking to high schools, which we had done in the past, right? That was kind of the, the beginning of what the Rich Academy was. The problem is that that was a that's a great place to you know fine tune your content, but it's not a great place to make a difference because you go in speak to a bunch of kids. Uh, and then it's like taking a shower it kind of wears off, right? There's mm-hmm. no, the kids go back home, tell their parents about it. They're like, Oh yeah, saving money. It's kind of like watching the movie Titanic. You go back and tell somebody, yeah, I get it. The ship sank. Right. And what we've done differently, and this is where the millions have been invested in is that we've created like those live events I was telling you about. We actually filmed one of our live events, cut it up, we edited it, added 30 different interviews, whether the financial advisors, the dragons are in it, past prime ministers are in the program authors of books, you name it. So we built this a 12-segment video-based learning portal Mm -hmm. that the student gets forever. Uh, And just like the one thing about money, and this is why I'm really happy to see, you know, when you work with school boards such as your own and governments such as your own uh, there in Alberta, is that it kind of, traditionally, again, a lot of governments thought, we'll just write this ourselves. And I've seen, and it just doesn't work. And I'll tell you why it doesn't work is because that money just changes too much. Like think about if you were to talk about cryptocurrency today versus last year, like everything has dropped by two thirds, right? Think about inflation it really wasn't a thing people talked about a year ago, right? Now it's mm-hmm. everything. So money changes direction so quickly that you can't like when you have a, 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 a certain group trying to create this curriculum, it just becomes dated so quickly. And so they're kind of stepped aside and said, listen, you know, we're going to let the professionals manage this. Uh, but at the same time, what we try to do at Rich Academy, we take feedback back from and, and, and provincial government saying, okay, well, what can we do? Here's the core of this thing. What would you do to just adjust it? And we're constantly making adjustments based on the feedback. 
but they kind of allow us to do what we need to do, which is great. And that's why we create great, great, great partnerships. So, um, so that, so traditionally we're a high school based program, but now we've evolved to a lot more. So we, that was grade nine to grade, uh, grade 10 to 12. We just created a program for grade seven to grade nine. Mm. And we're basing one now for grade four to grade six. Oh, wow. uh, and yeah. every, because yeah, yeah. So we're then just, the reason why we're doing that is that the feedback from the students has been amazing. The average grade student grades their program at 9.1 out of 10, mm. you know, which is great. Uh, so like, which shows you that we're kind of really, well, they graded an A. Let's just say they graded an A. Yeah. And so we know we're hitting, we're, we're hitting a, a nerve. And so the grade seven to grade nine program is a little different. We're not talking about credit cards really at grade seven because it's not a thing for them right now. Like, you know, it's not, they're not getting a credit card for another seven, eight years. But what we're talking about is social media influencers, how they get paid, how product work, right? You know, you, you know, they don't really understand some, you know, that they're really being advertised to constantly. Right. And with yeah. unknowingly that, right. We talk about how you can buy and sell stock at an early age. Cause you can, you know, that's, that's a thing that we, most parents don't understand, right. Is that you're, you're, if you have a kid under 18, you can still buy and sell stock in their name, uh, through an interest account. Uh, and we talk about how to, you know, if you have a job and whether it's on the lawn, whatever, maybe take a portion of that money and start buying stock. Right? It's one of the best things you can warm up to about my first stock at age 11. I was wasting my life up until then. <laughs> right and uh, and you know what that's that's uh, with parents it's so interesting because I, I I and I'm kind of all over the place here but it's, I don't want to lose this train of thought on this is that we really try to change the money narrative right I have a lot of parents call me up every every month saying I'm freaking out man you know what my kids are never going to be able to afford a home it's more expensive than ever before this is the worst time to be a kid I go well, what are you talking about this is the best time ever in the history of time to build wealth as a kid. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in high school back in 1995, I wanted to buy stock. Like, you know, you had to call somebody or go somewhere. You had to look at a newspaper stock price, which was a day old information. That's what from, from a click of a button, right? From a click of a button, you can, you can buy and sell stock from your phone. Yeah. Right. Even under the age of 18, as long as a parent or guardian is there to help you do it. Right. You can actually do that. There's a bet. This is the best time in the history of time. People, there's more mortgage products out there that exist than ever before. You can buy your first investment property at night. Yeah, you know, at 19 years old with 5% down as long as you live. There's so many different products out there. But the problem is parents have, well, what did I do in 1995, right? You know, I'm using an example. What did my parents do? We're, we're, we're like trying to teach the kids how to use a VCR or a CD player. We're so dated that we're actually some of like malpractice when most parents teach their kids about money, right? Because it's dated. It's not, it's not up to date. And we have to relook at everything. Like relook at everything. There's more options and opportunities for students now than ever before. But if we teach our kids what we did or what our grandparents did, you're you're not and they're yeah they're gonna have a hard road hard road. Well, uh, and you kind of were mentioning there uh, you had some of the Dragon's Den people involved. Was that part of the process for when you were getting started, or did you go like through that show later on? Like, is just uh, you're already kind of up and running. Yeah, we were up and running. We had a product. We had proof of sales, which was great. We went up, and you know, we had a really big day there i remember there was uh you know we had all five dragons been on the company and uh we ended up working with two of them jim for living and and Broxman, and we're one of the better deals ever done on the show which is pretty exciting uh and uh and, and again but you know like that that show you gotta know what you're getting into right like they're not going to pick up the phone and prospect free and i knew they weren't right like number one you got you got some credibility being on television which is great but 
you know, at the end of the day, it's like, it's up to us to pick up the phones and, and grind them every day, which is what we did. Like that's our secret weapon, our ability to generate business mm-hmm. and go out there and, and deliver on the promises that we say that we're going to give to our customers. Right. And just like your provincial government, right. You know, we've been working with them for years now. And the first year was a pilot to see if this thing was real, see if we deliver on what we would. And we did. Faith. That's why, uh, you know, we continually build a good partnership with your province, uh, which led to, you know, working with the Edmonton police is a perfect example, right? Yeah. Uh, which led to working with all different, like that, that, this is just a small sample sizing of the people that we work with. Uh, and uh, as I said, but you got, that's, that's, yeah, there you go. Uh, so how busy are you guys? Is it, do you got multiple people going out and doing conferences every day, essentially, or is it just a couple of you? Yeah, so we, we are, no, we're, you know, we've got a fairly large organization here. We're sitting around 35 people, which is great. I don't know if it's huge, but it's, it's good. So we have content developers, video editing. We're always testing new material, writing new content. You know, you got to have a phenomenal technology. Because again, we really depend on our technology as well. Uh, we've got hundreds of thousands of people going through our uh, online portal every single year, right? Through schools or governments or corporations or whatever it may be. Uh, so we're we're always busy, and but we hire accordingly, and and uh, yeah, no, it's it's been great. So yeah. Uh, so if we kind of focus a little bit on the people uh, that you might be helping out there, would there be like a common theme, or maybe common traits uh, among people when you see them mismanaging money? Yeah, it's you know, really, we're not. Trying, and I think this is why people love our content so much. And I think the way we deliver it is we really kind of just take the pressure off. Like, you know, the, the secret to life to me, again, is just don't overspend, right? It really is. It's, it's, it's not, you know, keep your overhead as low as you possibly can, right? But I, I really, truly believe people over house and over car. I think those are the two biggest things that they do. Uh, and, uh, and it's times like this to just prove. Especially the last couple of years when everybody was buying everything, right? You can't buy a snowmobile, can't buy an ATV, can't buy a Sea-Doo, like years mm-hmm. behind on, you know, and, and cause everybody's buying one. You're like, man, I want to buy that too. Right. Yeah. And I get that. I get that urge, but you know, success leaves clues, right? You look at Warren Buffett, one of the wealthiest people in the world lives in the same house that he bought in 1957 for 36,000 bucks. And like, think about that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you look at some of the well, like Mark, Mark, uh, you know, like I want a lot of examples of that. But I'll just stick with that one. But, you know, as I said, I think we, a lot of the damage that we do financially is self-inflicted. It really, really is. Right. And so we need to, you know, sometimes step back and realize what really brings us happiness. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if, if buying stuff brings you happiness, then it's, you know, you're going to have a hard run at it. Right. You got to find really what, what brings you happiness. Right. Well, and is it temporary and happiness? Right. It's, it's not really something that's going to benefit you in the long run. You got to look at why you're buying it or what the purpose is, I guess. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Right. You know, like I've been fortunate enough to do a little bit better as I've gotten older. And you know, the funny, the more money I have, the more I realize I got three kids myself. My happiness with my kids doesn't come usually from their the biggest Christmas gift. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's the weirdest thing in the world. It's like taking an app. And I try, I say this to the audiences. It's like taking an afternoon off you know, and take my kid out of school and going to see a movie for 20 bucks. Right. And, and, you know, just having that, that time with them, that $20 will go further than any, you know, technology you can buy them for an iPad for 500 to thousand bucks or whatever it may be. But we keep fooling ourselves thinking that, you know, the more gifts under that, that tree or the more stuff that we buy or whatever it may be. And sometimes it's just a simple experiences that have the biggest impact. Right. Yeah. They don't cost a lot of money. Yeah. Well, and 
what's the, I guess, the biggest way that people help themselves? Do they, do they need somebody to manage the money for them, do you find? Or do, are people kind of, once they talk to you, are they able to do things for yeah, so themselves? It'd, it'd be like a, I, I, would, I wouldn't know what the actual data is, the stat would be, but the cool thing is like people, after they go through our program, they understand the place that we, have, we are, we, what place we, what part we play in their money. We don't manage the money, right? But we need a lot of people that, man, like just like that police officer I was telling you about, whose staff sergeant retired and he's being charged a huge MER. We're kind of like the middleman, right? And so what I mean by that is that some people watch our program and say, you know, I can do this for myself. Like, and we're like, great. We don't advise you whether you should or shouldn't. But if you're going to go down the, the path of finding a financial advisor or a robo-advisor for that fact, by the time you're done our program, you're at least going to be able to sit down at a table like you and I are sitting here you know, online. You're going to be able to have a dialogue where you're going to understand like what they're saying, right? And saying, hey, listen, you know what? Do you charge the first sale charge or redemption fees or low loads or front end or back end loads? You're going to understand what that mm-hmm. means. So those are really important words when it comes to your investing, right? What is an MER, right? You know, what is management? What's your, that's just a really complicated word to say. You know, uh, charge, uh, the whole commission. Like, who gets paid what? You know, and, and understand that, right? Because if your MERs are anything over 1.1 and 1.2, you're probably not going to win. Your fees are just getting up too yeah. too much of your returns, right? Um, so, can you tell us some of the craziest situations you've seen or heard of? Oh, there's been tons, right? You know, and 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 I think right off the bat, which I will. But first of all, if you're listening right now and you're in debt, like one thing I always want to say mm-hmm. is that you're not alone. Half the Canadians live there, right? And you know, so and I think that's the first thing we do at Enrich Academy is say, listen, you know what? If you're in your 20s and 30s and you're in debt, you kind of understand that a little bit. You're going to kickstart your life, you know, pay off any student loan debt you may have. Uh, you know, we're trying to, uh, you know, buy your first home, buy a car, start a family, whatever it may be, right? But if you're in your 40s and 50s and you are, uh, you know, you're in your 40s and 50s and, uh, and and still paycheck to paycheck or in debt, you, you definitely need a course correction, right? It's not too late, just like many people think, but you definitely need a course correction. But some of the crazy stories, right? You know, you know, we've worked with a lot of athletes, like billions of dollars, and they have nothing to show for it, like nothing. I mean, like, shocked. Right. Like, my gosh, it's over 10 million. They got nothing to show for it, right? Because, you know, athletes like NHL players, they don't understand They don't understand how their paychecks work, right? I worked with one, uh, the OHL, the Ontario Hockey League. We work with some of their teams. And one of the players I met got signed by an NHL team. And he goes, ah, I got my first paycheck. Yeah. Got my signing bonus, right? 90,000 bucks. is great. Sit in front of his whole team. Very proud. I said, hey, were you taxed on that? Mm. Yeah, no. Right. And, you know, an NHL player that makes a million a year, half its tax, right? That's gone. You're never going to see that again. And then down to 500,000 bucks, and they got to pay escrow 13%, which is like really paying the owners back that don't make any money. That's $130,000 out of that paycheck, right? Then they got to pay their agency to 5%. So for every million they make, they only take home about 350000 to 400000 which seems great, but the problem is a short career and it's a long life. So a lot of crazy athlete stories when it comes to money. Uh, when it comes to MERs, I was telling you an MER3. And one lady had a program an MER of nine, yeah. right? and which and the return since inception of that particular fund was negative three percent. So we've seen some really crazy wow. stuff like that where MERs are just out of control. Uh, you know, we um, you know I've, I've worked with some real estate professionals, some of the best in the country. They made millions and millions and millions of dollars, and they you know they don't get they don't work next month. They don't have a they don't they can't pay their bills, right? So there's really you no. Know, there, there's just endless stories and stuff like that. And as I said, most of that stuff is just self-inflicted based on 
buying stuff every month that they don't really need to impress people they don't really like, right? Uh, just to keep this facade going. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, people go, what kind of car I drive? I drive a 2010 Ford F-150 pickup, right? I got you know, 200,000 kilometers and people say, why well, don't buy a new car? Because I can. I've done fairly well in my life. And I go, I got three kids. My car is smelling bombing and goldfish crackers. <laughs> I don't need any more. I don't need something else smelling like bobbing goldfish back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and that's what I mean. So as I said, it's, uh, yeah, no. So that there are lots of crazy stories, but it really, like that doctor with $10,000 of the credit card debt, you know, making minimum payments for three years. That's a pretty crazy story for me. Right. I think a lot of people like to know that, you know, like you said, they're not the only ones in this situation or, no. uh, people do have to realize that there's usually somebody who has it worse. Uh, unless you're doing some crazy thing. But uh, one thing I was going to ask about, and you kind of touched on it, was athletes. And I know, I think it was the NFL, usually when people get drafted, they have like a, I'll call it a financial literacy course or how to manage money uh, before they start. So that's just also because they have a lot of people come out of the woodwork and start saying like, give me money. Um, hey, I'm that cousin you forgot about. Hey, I, could I have a million dollars? But Maybe with some of these places like police, where you're in an academy setting, you're in a school setting for a few months, uh, maybe that's part of the training or something. Because here you you can make quite a bit of money. I mean, your base salary is going to be six figures, but with overtime, like what are you going to do with all that overtime? And are you making better decisions? So maybe kind of getting to people a bit earlier in their careers, uh, especially guys getting on the force now, um, guys and girls are like, you know, 19, 20, and then all of a sudden you're getting six figures. So it's definitely something to consider. Yeah. So a hundred percent on the same page. And that kind of goes back to an earlier thing you said, like you go into the United States or Australia or whatever, maybe other countries is that there's so much work to do here in Canada. The logical answer, that's a very logical thing you said there, right? But it's, it's just beyond making a phone call uh, and just getting it in. It's as much as I love it, it was that easy. No, I, I was part of a business prior to this. You know, we sold for over $120 million, right? There's four of us, right? So it's a really big day in anybody's life when you sell a business for $120 million. Mm-hmm. That was really hard to do. Yeah. This is way harder, right? Like, it's way, way harder. Because you just have to go through layers of bureaucracy and, and, and you know, I, 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 it's a big rabbit hole I take you down. As much as it's like, hey, listen, you know what? Look at the response we've had. Look at the feedback we have. Look at the groups that we work with. You would think a phone call and adding an eight-hour course to justify the thousands of hours they're going to do in training. Um, you think it would be that easy? It just isn't. There's just a whole process to get there, and we think we will. Our goal is to get there. With your neighboring province in BC, we're very close to that happening. It's not already happening now, uh, where they do cadet training, uh, and uh, I believe that we should be doing that with your prov- with your province as well. I agree, but not there. But it will slowly get there. I wish it worked faster. I might traditionally I've worked with entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs kind of, you know, shoot mm-hmm. the puck. Uh, and, uh, as I said, I understand you can't necessarily treat everything like that. Sometimes it doesn't work. Uh, but as I said, we'll, we'll get there. eventually. And I think that's why a lot of people don't succeed in the space that we're in. There has to be a certain level of stick to itiveness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and people just don't have that. Right. I think uh, it's very, I've never seen an industry where it's so, underestimated how much work goes into it. Uh, like we have a really, really, as I said, very highly qualified team here 
that does what it needs to do. And I sometimes see somebody saying, Hey, I'm starting a financial literacy company. I commend them doing it. I'm not trying to, you know, that's kind of what we were at the beginning, but I, I don't think they really truly appreciate that whole battle that they're, they're going to face, right. When it comes to negotiating agreements, delivering on those agreements, it's like, even with your, with your province, right. You know, after your province committed to working with us, that wasn't like, not like it's over. 13,000 emails, 450 phone calls to superintendents, school boards, launches, you name it. Mm-hmm. And that's just way beyond what one person can do. But if you want to execute and have the program graded an A and have actual usage out of it, that's what it takes. And so, as I said, that's what it's going to take to penetrate and work with your group as well, which we will. Right? Um, so kind of getting to current events, where, where are we kind of right now? And would you have some advice for people uh, based on you know high inflation that we're in and where things might be going. Yeah, you know, I, listen, I, I I'm not a doom and gloom guy, but you know, as I said, I really think that we're going to have a challenging year next year. I think if you think otherwise, you're fooling yourself, right? And you know, I I look at my I have I own a bunch of investment properties, and I had a couple of them on a variable rate mortgage, and recently the variable rate mortgages hit their trigger rates, right? And uh, on a half million dollar mortgage, I'm going to ask you, how much do you think my mortgage payment went up a month on that one property? Oh, geez, I don't know. What would you guess per month? What would you guess on a, on a half a million dollar mortgage with a variable trigger rate? How much more a month my payment increase? Double? Yeah, so what, would you, so what would you think? It went up a thousand bucks a month. Oh, okay. Right? And that's just on one. That, and so that's 12,000 after tax, mm-hmm. right? And then my other property had... Luckily, most of them were on fixed rate. These two were on variables, and the, and the other one at four hundred went up four hundred thousand dollars mortgage went up seven hundred bucks a month. And so that's seventeen hundred dollars a month. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to take that disposable income of seventeen hundred bucks out of the market so that people stop buying stuff, right? Yeah. And luckily, these are investment properties, right? And so they that just kind of eats into your cash flow a little bit, right? But saying that uh, is that you know a lot of people bought those homes, which is their primary residence on a variable that just hit the trigger, that's 12,000 bucks. And a half a million dollar mortgage is not an unreasonable amount of money, right? That's like, that's $700,000 home, not too expensive, not too crazy, right? That's, if you look at that, that's a lot of people just got that notice of a thousand bucks a month going out. And that's after tax. Remember, so to make $12,000 a year, that's a thousand bucks a month. You got to make 18,000 or 20,000. And think about how many of this is that how many people have a mortgage coming up for renewal in the next three to six months, right? Yeah. And believe you me, they, they're worried and as they should be, right? Because it's going to go up in price. Like, I'm sorry, their mortgage payments are going to go up. So as I said, the two best ways to impact this is number one, keep your overhead as low as possible, right? And number two is uh, you always have your money working, right? If your money's sitting in a bank account with inflation at Six, seven, eight percent, whatever it's at right now, right? You're losing money, absolutely losing money. You got to have your money working for you constantly. Yeah, but it's going to be a difficult 2023. Yeah, well, I know a few people who are on variable rates, and I think their their rates gone up was like three percent before. Now it's at six. So, well, yeah, think about how many people sat there bought a home on a variable rate mortgage, and they're like, "Oh man, my property has increased in value in the last two years by like a ridiculous amount, which we knew wasn't sustainable." And they took that money, borrowed against their home, and bought just like ATVs and snowmobiles because they're borrowing money at two point four five percent. Now they're they're paying six point four five percent. 
So that's another 5% on per hundred thousand dollars in toys that they bought themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can go on and on and on. And, and as I said, the secret, and I, I was preaching this for the last year and a half. No, not I, it was Academy. We've been preaching this for the last five, six, seven years. Keep your overhead as low as you can. Keep your overhead low. It's a secret. It's, it, it takes yeah. everybody, all the power away from people when it comes to your money. Uh, is if you just keep your overhead low. Well, so are you, you have anything coming up with the Edmonton police that you'll be working with? Yeah, actually we have a half day event coming up with Edmonton police, uh, the end of January, beginning of February, I think it's February 1st or 2nd. Don't hold me to that. I can't remember exactly what it mm-hmm. is, but I know everybody's going to get an email. Uh, it's going to be a live event. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, hundred percent, we're going to be doing something with your group. Very excited about that. It's one of the best half day events you're going to attend. I, it's funny, entertaining, like, believe you me, it's, uh, really dialed in the feedback is always spectacular with the groups that we work with so highly recommend making sure you attend that it's here in person or is it over like uh webex or no it's in, in person. person this one's gonna be an in-person okay. event so unfortunately i won't be at that i've been uh but jay seabrook my business partner my co the co-founder of the company uh will be there uh so he's as equally qualified to talk about all this stuff as i am mm-hmm. uh and uh and uh yeah and may not be as good looking but that's okay <laughs> So, uh, but uh, as I said, if you're looking for a good half day that, you know, we know how a police officers are. We've been working with you guys for, you know, the better part of half a decade, actually more than that. You know, they, that, you know there's a certain level of being guarded. And I understand that, right? And and question things as you should. It's it's your nature, mm-hmm. what you guys deal with every day. We have the utmost respect for what, what police officers go through. Uh, you guys are the best of the best. We understand that. Like it's, you know, sometimes... We talk about it at our live events. Sometimes the way the media portrays you is just, it's completely unfair, not justified. Uh, and, uh, you know, in, in most cases, uh, and, uh, as I said, uh, we're, we have the utmost respect for everything that you guys do. Uh, and working with your group has been amazing over the last five, seven years, five to seven years. And we understand what makes you guys click. And I can assure you when it comes to our program, we really, really do, uh, just relate to you. And then, and that's the best part of it is that, we worked with all different groups. I mean, walk into a mandatory training session, half the police officer had their arms crossed, you know, just like, what is this? Yeah. And within two hours, all of them are laughing their asses off saying, man, you guys get us. And now I have clarity and, and, and take a lot of that pre- unnecessary pressure off. So. Cool. Well, um, I think we kind of covered everything we were going to get to today. Um, one thing I wanted to make sure was that you got some time to kind of plug your company. Um, yeah. And then how can people follow you or Enrich Academy, uh, the work that you're doing out there? Yeah, you know what? We have an Instagram account, Enrich Academy. Uh, we also, that's probably falls on Instagram. That'd be the best way to do it. And uh, again, uh, yeah, that, that, that's what you're listening right now. Uh, make sure to, uh, you know, make sure to attend that event at the, uh, end of January, beginning of February. I'm pretty sure it's February 1st or 2nd though. So make sure you attend that. Perfect. Well, um, if you want to hang on the line for just a second, I'll wrap up the recording here. Sure. Um, but thank you for coming on today and we always appreciate thank you. Uh, the, the information. No problem. Thank you for the opportunity.